0: Federal Drive is presented by GEHA, Government Employees Health Association, proudly providing health and dental benefits to federal employees and their families. Visit GEHA.com.
1: Starting today, big changes to how the Defense Department tests the cyber readiness posture of its commands, bases, and agencies. Defense officials say they're moving away from a checklist mentality and focusing more on helping commanders understand how cyber
2: risks actually affect their missions. Federal News Network's Jared Serbu has details on
0: the new Cyber Operational Readiness Assessment process. The new approach takes the place of the Command Cyber Readiness Inspections, or CCRIs, that DOD has used for more than a decade. It's meant to put a friendlier face on the inspection process. Notably, they're no longer called inspections at all. And although a lot is changing under the hood, officials argue the name change is important in and of itself. John Porter is the Director of Network Readiness and Security Inspections at Joint Force Headquarters DoD Information Networks.
3: One main thing that we want to look at, we want to see in this is folks are not just preparing for an inspection, right? When we're not there, you're always in assessment mode. You constantly are making sure that your enclaves or what your area of responsibilities are hardened. Uh, The old saying, uh, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And I think that's one of the major changes that we. Want to incorporate? We want to emphasize. We want teams to feel like, hey, I'm not just having another inspection come in, and folks are looking to date me. I want us to come in and say, hey, I have an assessment coming, and we're ready. And then this assessment will help us to identify how we can get stronger.
0: As a practical matter, one of the biggest things that will change under the Cora process is the site visits will no longer be pass/fail tests. Under CCRi, a score of 70 or above was considered passing. Instead, the assessment teams from jfhq Doden and the military services will use a mix of intelligence data and cyber threat information to figure out how vulnerable a particular organization is to current threats. And importantly, even if a command hasn't completely eliminated vulnerability from its IT infrastructure, it will now get credit if it's taken steps to mitigate the risk that threat might have on its missions. Charles Willey is the headquarters deputy director for readiness and inspections.
2: When we change the word from inspection to assessment, and you allow these remediations, now all of a sudden you see the assessor with other individuals from the sites, they're working together on understanding it so they can then remediate it or, or make those changes. And so because they have that opportunity to remediate, I do think there's a there's a tonal shift there that it helps the entire organization right kind of digest. It's not just another inspection out to drop a report. Um the other thing is that the wording has been shifted to risk wording uh versus like compliant, not compliant. And so it's a lot better to to use terms that they're focused on their mission, right? Then the mission is what matters to those leaders. And so when you you have an implicit connection to their ability, if you're DECA to, to sell groceries or if you're, you know, uh, another agency, DLA, if you're doing logistics, if they can see how that will affect, impact logistics, you've got a lot more buy-in in, in the cyber domain.
0: Meanwhile, Cora will also use a risk calculus to decide which organizations get assessments and how often. Rather than inspecting commands on fixed timelines, DOD will conduct the visits based on a multi-factor analysis that takes needs and assessment team resources into account. Willie says some bases and commands might get CORAs multiple times a year. Others might go for several years without one.
2: We're actually using threat intelligence, other information, mission priorities, to choose when and where to go. So some places may have this more frequently, other places less frequently. A lot of times the old regimen was like, hey, you failed an inspection, we'll be back in six months. Well, if they've done a good job of remediating it, why go there instead of somewhere else that matters? And so the, the focus is to be at the right place at the right time with the limited resources we have, capture that data so that we have it for multiple uses, both to to look at all these great automated tools that private industry has put out there, but we want to make sure they're telling us what we need to know.
0: And officials are hoping their own automated tools will help stretch their limited resources a bit further. The centerpiece is one called DoD Inspection Analysis Tool, or DIET, which won a DoD CIO award for innovation last year. It started as a simple database to store the results of CCRI inspections, but it's since evolved into a more robust platform the department uses to automate its assessment workflows and decide how to conduct them. Eventually, the goal is to let individual commands use DIET to help grade their own cyber readiness between formal site visits. Again, John Porter.
3: We understand that you know we we come in whether it's once every six months or once every year. Who's filling those gaps? How do we fill those gaps in in, in between? So uh, continuous monitoring is is always going to be the end state where we can have a real world look at everyone as well as uh, empowering the DAOs to be able to constantly assess their own environment and then we could come in and make sure that, you know, folks are where they need to be. Because we know we cannot do this alone. It's the bottom line.
0: Even though DOD is trying to take a less adversarial and more partner-focused approach to the assessments, there could still be serious consequences if a CCRA uncovers major cyber vulnerabilities. Nicholas Stepato, JFHQ Doden's inspections branch chief, says in the most extreme cases, the headquarters still has the authority to order commands to disconnect from defense networks. But those decisions will be risk-based.
2: Clear lines between high risk, where this is, and low risk, right? The days of, oh, my shredder doesn't have, my shredder is missing oil, so I failed an inspection, right? We're trying to get away from that, right? Understanding, you you probably had a bunch of other things wrong there, and that was just the the straw that broke the camel's back. However, right, we want to remove that straw and have a clear line between high risk, and this is what we care about, versus low risk, low threat, this is what we don't care about. Um, and I think CORE enables that and helps get that mindset away from there.
0: Jared Serbu, Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Check out Jared's story at federalnewsnetwork.com.
2: Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before.
1: how do we accomplish our mission through our people? And in order to do that, we really value our people. We want them to feel empowered and supported and uh, respected, and also that their managers care about them. So well-being is important. Psychological safety in the workplace is important, so that all voices and ideas are heard. So I like to call it our North Star. Having a people-first culture really starts with the people in order to get our incredibly difficult mission accomplished. In terms of leadership, which is a great question, I think we all know that culture is really driven by leadership and the, the behaviors that we allow and we uh, you know, uh, reinforce in our leaders. So we really work at making sure that our leaders are bringing out the best in their people every day. So again, that they feel they can bring their voice, especially an opinion that might not go along with the majority of a group, so that we get that diverse perspective, we get those different ideas and experiences. And that's really where we find that it's important that leaders are purposefully bringing out their talent on their teams to enable our mission.
4: Yeah, excellent. We're, we're going through a, a culture project, at our work. Oh, great. It's, um, it's been six months in the making, and it's going really well, but it is work. Yes. And it requires from the top down. So I'm, I'm also involved in that. I hear you. Right. Throughout your career, you piloted many different talent management programs, including at NASA, the CIA, the FBI, just to name a few. And you have an amazing career. What have you learned or how have you might have changed along the way in creating and leading those programs?
1: Yes. And I, I- I am so honored to have had a career in public service across multiple federal agencies, always in the realm of human resources and workforce performance. And I think because I study organizations and people in them, I've come to realize, particularly in the federal government, that many of our programs are really grounded in the industrial era thinking, that this is organizationally structured in a hierarchy with boxes and lines on charts Uh, with the center being around jobs and what do we need to get this job done in terms of skills and training. And what I found is that we're really not in the industrial era anymore, where we would promote the smartest people who knew that work, and they would then tell the people on their team how to do things and oversee that work. We're now in a digital era and the information era where work gets done collaboratively across geographic boundaries and certainly across